to turn to 148. Was you singing that without the words? No. Oh. <laughs> that one I don't know. <clears throat> I looked down, you had your hymnal closed, and I thought, man, oh man, if he's got that one message memorized. 148. <laughs> question here. How do you, how do you pronounce B-L-E-S-S-E-D? Y'all were singing blessed. <laughs> I remember uh, somebody was talking about that one time about how we mispronounce words in songs just to get them to go with the notes like you said. And uh, anyhow, that's on my mind today. So you guys wonder what's going through this mind all the time. I just think every once in a while you need to know. Amen. Yes, sir. Poetic license. <laughs> hey, I, I'm up here asking questions, Ron. I'm not answering questions. We're going to sing number 228, and if you can, let's all stand as we sing. 228. <laughs>
you would open us in prayer. Amen. Please do be seated. Just going to take a poll here. Does anybody need to give tithe or offering? All right. We won't take it up. I think we're good. All right. Well, let's sing one more then. Let's sing number different songs from different hymnals and there's a we usually pause right there and I forgot to pause so that was on me okay second verse here we go <laughs> term pastor but something you need to realize a lot of times my memories go back to the beginning and I remember it all as church and so a, a lot of times I um, 
know, I just remember how things were, and, and, uh, and so that's what's in the front of my mind. So anyhow, uh, we used to, I had a long-time piano player. His name was Lloyd Vincent. He was very talented and did a tremendous job. But he liked certain arrangements for certain songs. And uh, you would go up to his, uh, his uh, hymn book, and he would have taped-in pages. Whatever version he liked, that's what he would tape in. And so you didn't dare look at the notes you were singing. <laughs> and so you just followed the piano. And uh, for the longest time, Miss Mabel, how many of y'all remember Miss Mabel? There you go. Miss Mabel was very faithful to play for us, and she hated, if I remember, she hated sharps, if I remember. She liked to play all flat songs. So if there, and you guys who know music will know this better than I, if it was written in sharps, she would transpose it to put it in flats so she could play the flats. And uh, anyhow, uh, just good memories. And so I forgot to put in the pause, Miss Donia, so we'll get it right next time. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Um, I want you to uh, turn with me. I'll get my notes out here. Ah, there we go. Um, I don't know about you, but it's, um, the first of the year, is always a good time if you're not already in a reading program just to kind of jump back in. And different devotionals and everything, you know, quite often they'll start in Genesis. Whenever I start my yearly reading, Genesis might be one of my favorite. To be quite honest with you, whatever book I'm in is my favorite at the time. But I do genuinely love the book of Genesis. Y'all love the book of Genesis? It's a wonderful book. And, and uh, even this week in doing my devotions, I was just reading it real slow and meditating on it. And, you know, as much as you think you understand and know the Bible, there's so much more to learn. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to be in heaven and have the Lord explain these things. Or maybe he'll fill us with knowledge and we'll just know. I don't know. Um, but I, I, I'm a scientist at heart. I love examining things. I love, I love discovering things. And so anyhow, I've been doing my, my devotions in, um, in Genesis, and it makes you think about the difference of the world before the flood and then after the flood. And before the flood, we have maybe some monuments, maybe. There's some monuments to be looked at, I'm not sure. Um, uh, by and large, we know very little before the flood unless it's in the Bible, okay? And anything else is just... Uh, how many of y'all are old enough to remember a guy named Eric Von Daniken? If, if you grew up on Saturday morning TV, you, you knew about this guy. Between him and Scientology, they advertised all the time. And Eric Von Daniken wrote a book called The Chariot of the Gods. Now, do you know him? The Chariot of the Gods, they would take all these old ancient archaeological things that they couldn't explain... And we would explain them with the Bible, and it all fits, and it makes sense, and, and you can move on. They like to take and talk about spacemen and UFOs and stuff like that in, in their explanation. And even this week, I was just meditating on that, that verse that says, even when they didn't like to retain God in their knowledge, he, he gave them over to a reprobate mind, if you will. I'm, I'm confounding a couple verses here. Their foolish heart was darkened, that they should believe a lie and all that. I, I know I'm confounding a couple verses there. But um, my whole point is this, is we looked at it about Jesus setting us free. And what did he say? He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, or truth shall set you free. 
And so we live in a world full of lies. And I've made mention of this uh, a few times throughout the year. But I don't know how many of y'all know this, but um, uh, what is the most valuable thing on earth? Anybody know? Most valuable thing? By the way, this has been like this for a very long time. Is it gold, silver, platinum? I mean, what's the most valuable thing on earth? The answer to that question today is very certainly, and it has been for a long time, is information. Information is, is what they control, what they have in all the, the banks and, and, and all the computers and everything. That information today is worth far more than silver and gold and platinum. And we're living in a day where they have artificial intelligence. Okay? And I don't know if you know this, but kids today can write papers using a thing called... Uh, what is it? Something GPS. Somebody help me. There's no chat, chat. chat GPS. Thank you. And I saw a commercial even this last week where somebody was using Chat GPS in the classroom. The teacher was using it. Well, Chat GPS. If you give it a premise, some details, and some facts, it'll sit there and research your writing style, and they can write a paper for you, and you can submit it in for credit. Okay. Uh, uh, I don't know how many of y'all noticed this, but a lot of times when you're looking at uh, television today, you don't know if you're looking at a real human being <coughs> or a computer-generated graphic. There's actually a couple um, commercials out there right now that do that on purpose just to tell you that uh, you're not looking at a human being, you're looking at a computer. So how do people know what is real? Okay. And you think about this, uh, again, Jesus Christ is the truth, is he not? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. This last week, I had two Mormon missionaries show up at my door. And they're all friendly. Hey, can we talk to you about Jesus? And I said, listen, and to be honest with you, I'm willing to witness to anybody. All right? But they came to my door to convert me. All right? And how many of y'all are Baptist pastors? Anybody here? Um, you know what people like that want to do when they meet a Baptist pastor? They want to have a debate and see if they're up to snuff on their debating skills. And so quite often they'll, they'll just take and they, they want to debate you and see where they stand, see how, how good their reasoning is and stuff like that. And I found it to be very unproductive in the sense that they've come there to convert me and my motivation is to convert them. So if I don't have time, I just tell them up front. But I try to always leave him with something to think about, okay? And here's what I do with the Mormon young men. As I told them, I said, I believe in Jesus Christ, but I need you to know this, and you need to research this. Jesus Christ did not become God. Jesus Christ has always been God. And I'm hoping that those young men would go back. And why? Because they have been lied to from their youth about who Jesus Christ is. And how can they be set free unless they know what the truth is? You guys understand that? How can they be set free unless they know what the truth is? And yet we live in a world where we don't control the media, we don't control the technology, and by definition they are trying to manipulate our thinking and manipulate our mind. I have a quote that I, I wrote down. I think it was Albert Einstein that said this, when rich men control or governments control the media, okay? Once they do that, then you will never be able to make an informed decision ever again. That's what, that's what Einstein said. 
Well, folks, do you guys know who owns your media? Who owns ABC? You guys don't know who owns ABC. Walt Disney Company owns. Walt Disney. Is Walt Disney a good source of information or is it a good source of diversion? They may know who owns NBC. NBC is owned by Microsoft. Okay? NBC is owned by Microsoft. Does uh, Bill Gates want to change the way you think about the world that you live in? Does he want to control your mind? And we could go on to CBS. I don't know who owns CBS now. It used to be Viacom. Um, uh, it used to be Ted Turner owned uh, quite a bit of CBS. And uh, again, all these people, if, if you will, are high-powered, very influential. By the way, the, the biggest media that's coming around is Amazon. Amazon owns and controls more media today than you can imagine. And so, if you will, we live in a world today where it's very difficult for people to make an informed decision. That's one of the reasons it's good for us to know that we have a more sure word of prophecy. Where until you do well, that you take heed. Amen? Meaning, uh, what? I feel sorry for people today who have to make decisions given poor information or... To be quite honest with you, we do not teach our children today how to reason. When God invites Isaiah, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as wool. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be white as snow. I might have got that backwards, but you know the verse, Isaiah 1.18. And so the, the whole point is this, is God says, come let us reason together. Well, he was talking to a man who had the skill set to be able to reason with him, okay, if you will. Well, today, so many people don't have that, okay? And, and so I just, as I was looking at the book of Genesis, I was thinking about these things. And I was just thinking about, if, if you will, how that we could know and how people could know and how people have known throughout history. And, and what am I talking about? I'm talking about knowing God. Is that the, is that the one question in life everybody has to answer? Uh, philosophy teaches us this, that every man has to answer at least three questions. Some people say four but the first one is, is uh, how did I get here? Uh, what am I doing here? And where am I going? Okay, it's origins, purpose, and destiny. Okay, you have to answer origins, where did I come from? Purpose, what am I doing here? Destiny, where am I going when it's all over? And I will tell you that sad but true, a lot of people don't have those skill set today, so much so that they adopt the pagan philosophy of let's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Meaning what? I don't have enough information to know. Most people today are not Christians. Most people today aren't necessarily atheists, but they're certainly the majority of people today are agnostics, meaning you cannot know. That's what agnostic means. I cannot know. Is there a God? I don't know. Okay, we'll find out someday. If you're finding out someday, it's too late. Okay? And so if you will, I was just thinking about evidences for the faith, and I uh, just wanted to hit a couple things. I could go, if you will, uh, to Hebrews chapter 11, the Hall of Fame of Faith, and talked about we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and so let's learn from them. And, um, and, and, and just for sake of time, we'll go there. But does God give us evidence that he exists? Yeah, amen. And, um, and it's a little bit different kind of service tonight, so go ahead and talk back to me if you would, and, and I'll just know you're with me. But the Bible does teach us that the heavens declared the glory of God and the firmament his handiwork. What is a firmament? Somebody talk to me. Uh, 
Because sometimes we use big words, and if you don't know what a big word is, what is the firmament? Yeah, the Bible says, if you remember in Genesis chapter 1, again, it's good for us to read Genesis chapter 1, that the Bible says that he took the waters and he made a firmament between the waters, the lower waters and the upper waters, and he called it a firmament. Today, we would say that's our atmosphere, but we would also say it is the stellar heavens, okay? And so, if you will, that's what the firmament is, because the word firmament, we get an odd connotation what that means, but it's heaven, Okay, it's the heavens, okay? You have the atmospheric heaven, you have the celestial heaven, and then there's one more. There's the, did I get that wrong? We got the stellar heaven, excuse me, the stellar heaven, and then the celestial heaven, all right? Paul was caught up into the, the third heaven, okay? Well, the first heaven, first heaven, second heaven, sun, moon, and stars, okay? And then the celestial heaven is where the abode of God is, okay? And so, if you will, the Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament, shh, okay? Because a lot of times you think, oh, the firmament. No, it's, not, it's not anything firm about the firmament, okay? It's, it's just an Old Testament word that means, if you will, an expanse or space, okay? So, if you will, how many of you all saw that beautiful sunset today? Isn't that gorgeous? A beautiful sunset. And you can scientifically describe why it looked like that and, and everything like that. Or you can just appreciate the fact that God enjoys beauty. Amen. And you just look at that and say, man, that's, what kind of God creates something like that? Uh, by the way, I was reading about uh, one of the moons of, uh, one of the moons of, uh, I don't remember which planet it was, if you will. I will tell you this, at this moon, it's minus 200 degrees Fahrenheit. That's kind of cold. Okay, but it has so many miles of ice because it's so cold, but underneath it is actually liquid water. So my whole point is this. You say, well, how can you separate the water and you still have the stars in it? Folks, there's all kinds of water in this universe. All right, there's all kinds of water in this universe. So anyhow, I'm, I'm getting aside myself. Where does the Bible teach us what I just told you? I think this is a good place to know the address. What did you say? It's not Genesis. It's Psalms. It's Psalms. Good guess, but Psalms 19. Go ahead and turn there. Go to Psalms 19. The reason I'm, I, I, I quiz you on this is because it would be good for you to be able to have these tools to be able to witness to your friends. Okay? How many of y'all know an agnostic? Somebody says we can't know. Yeah. If you're working at Walmart, you're going to know some. Okay? Anybody got friends say you can't know? Okay. Uh, I, the reason I like to stay with agnostics, I don't believe there's any true atheists. I don't believe there's any true atheists. An atheistic is, is just lying to yourself, okay? But anyhow, uh, Psalm chapter 19, verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. And if you will, he's talking about the stellar heaven. And there's no place in the world where a person can't look up in the sky and know that there's a God, okay? Meaning, these things don't happen by accident, okay? Uh, please forgive me, I'm in a scientific mood tonight, okay? Albert Einstein in 1905 and 1912 came up with two theories, one of which was the special theory of relativity, and it described, if you will, um, small things, right? 
atoms and everything smaller than that. And then he came up with this general theory where he tried to help us to understand gravity, okay? Anybody know how they, they prove gravity? Anybody, his, uh, they, they looked at an eclipse, and if you look at the stars, they're right there, but if you run them around a gravitational body, light bends, okay? And so they had to look at it in an eclipse, and the stars moved a certain degree, and he predicted how much gravity the sun had, and he was right, and now we have a new science, okay? Aren't you glad to know that? Everybody's like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why am I teaching all this? My point is this, guys. If you look out at God's creation, does it take an amazingly powerful wonderful being to take and he didn't explode that into existence he spoke it into existence and then he formed it and he filled it according to genesis chapter one amen he formed it and he filled it and you could look at the wonderful design of all those enormous things okay but then on the other side that's general relativity specific relativity they keep saying well uh, we can prove there must be molecules and we can prove there must be atoms and we can prove that there must be quarks and we keep getting smaller. And the smaller they go, they keep saying, but you've got to have one more thing. You've got to have one more thing. You've got to have one more thing. Uh, please take this the right way. We have a God that is so powerful that he can take and perfectly design all those stellar heavens. Amen. Okay. And every time we think we got Jimmy figured out, nope, there's more to know. There's more to know. There's more to know. Have you guys ever seen an exploded picture of one cell? You pick the cell. You pick the cell, a hair cell, a skin cell, a heart cell, an eye cell. You guys understand? Has anybody ever seen an exploded picture of one? I mean, gotten a bigger beer? Is it amazing? Folks, how many of y'all think we're in an industrial revolution? We have all kinds of wonderful technology. We still can't understand how the cell works. You know who can? God. Y'all understand that? And so if you will, every time we take and we look at this wonderful creation that God, we have to say, there's a God. There's a God. Because these things don't explode into existence. They are designed into existence. And if it applies to us, it certainly applies to that, and it applies to that. Y'all understand that? As I was meditating on that this week, I just was thinking about the immense knowledge and the power and the understanding of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? It's just wonderful uh, thinking about that. And so, if you will, we can know that there's a God. The Bible tells us because of his creation. Also, we're still in uh, Psalm 19. Go to verse 7. We can know it because of his word. How do we know these things are true? Verse 7, the law of the Lord is, what I say? What's perfect mean? Complete. Everything you need to know about God's right here. Does it tell you everything you need to know about how to have a good family? If you read it right, it will. Does it tell you how to be a good uh, employee? Does it tell you how to get over depression? Come on. I, I was reading this this last week. A friend of mine sent a thing. He says, because we don't call sin, sin anymore, we have no cures. Because everything is an illness, now you've got to go to a doctor, and they practice on you until they find something that, if you will, ameliorates the symptoms, but it never addresses the problem. Because we can never call sin, sin anymore. 
And the Bible tells us the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Everything that we need is in the Word of God. How can we know? And how can we know the most important things? Hey, just look out there. Look in here. Amen. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit. Go there, if you will. Go to Romans chapter 1. And I don't know if you're right in your Bible, but does the Bible say that you should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh the hope that lieth within you? Does the Bible say that? And so how often are we supposed to be ready to give an answer? Always. To who? Every man. And you might say, well, you just brushed off those Mormons. You didn't know I, I didn't brush off those Mormons. I told them I didn't have time to get in an argument, but they needed to think about the fact that they're worshiping the wrong Jesus. Amen. And I, I will tell you this, if they'll think about the right Jesus, they'll get right with God. Because they'll realize that they're telling a lie. Listen, you worship the wrong God, you end up in the wrong place. You all understand? And so, uh, look what the Bible says in, 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 again, Romans chapter 1. I'm sorry, I got to preaching. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. The Bible says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. How many of y'all think that the thief knows it's wrong to steal? Did he get that from our society, or is that just innate in him? How many of y'all know it's wrong to lie? Let me ask you a question. Let's take a survey here. When did you all start lying? Anybody? When? The Bible says we come forth from the womb speaking lies. So anybody who says anything after that's lying. How many of y'all had to be told that lying was wrong? Now, you, hopefully you had parents that taught you that. Any of y'all parents said this, I'd rather have you tell me the truth than to lie to me? You'll get in more trouble for lying to me than for telling me the truth? By the way, I hope you were consistent on that, okay? But uh, absolutely. And so, if you will, God didn't have to tell us don't kill. We should have known. God didn't tell us not to bear false witness, but he did. Why? Just in case you're not sure by the things I've made innate in you, Okay. And who made that innate? Well, the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, he convicts us of righteousness and judgment to come. Come on now, amen. The Holy Spirit convicts our hearts. Amen. Uh, Did the Holy Spirit get invented in the New Testament? Let me ask you another question to help you along this line. Um, How were they saved in the Old Testament? That's a trick question. You're close, but that's not true. And what is that way? By faith. I'm not trying to be difficult, but you're not saved by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. Okay, and I'm not trying to split hairs. I'm just saying we're saved because God gave us a gift of everlasting life. We're not saved because I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. You all understand? And so if you will, yeah, I know in whom I have believed, praise the Lord. But I'll tell you what, the reason I'm saved because he gave me a gift of grace. Okay, I'm not, I'm not trying to split hairs. I'm just trying to say, uh, if you will. So in the Old Testament, we were always saved by, what does it take to get saved to receive this gift of grace? 
repentance. And so how would you know that you need to repent? Because you're absolutely right. You got to come under got to come under conviction. Who convicts? The Holy Spirit. How did people get saved in the Old Testament? Well, they had to repent of their sins. How did they know to repent? Come on. The Holy Spirit didn't come to into being in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, if I'm not wrong, the Holy Spirit is spoken of in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. Amen? Y'all with me? And so from the very beginning, God teaches us uh, that there is a Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, moved across the face of the deep. Amen. Okay? And was active in creation. So God has made it so that we can know uh, Him, okay, in, in just so many ways. Sometimes we make it too, uh, too difficult. And so how do we know? By His creation. We know by His Scripture. We know by His Holy Spirit. Amen. And if you will, all of this was given to us. From the beginning, go to John chapter 1, please. John chapter 1, excuse me, 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have, what's the Bible say? handled of the word of life, meaning what? We've touched Jesus. You guys understand that? That's what he means there. He says, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. By the way, can you have fellowship with an idea? Okay. Again, I, one thing you've got to learn about me, I, anytime I ask a question, it's usually pointed and it's usually for a reason. Can you have fellowship with an idea? What can you have fellowship with? Very good. Awesome answer. Honestly, I didn't think about that. That's awesome. I'm going to steal that and count it for mine later. <laughs> That's awesome. You can, folks, you can only have fellowship with a person. Is God a person? Yes, and who knew he was a person, and that's kind of where we're going now. Because the Bible says, if you will, in that portion of Scripture there, John is saying this, we have talked to, and we have, we have uh, lived with, and we have touched, and we have handled, and we have been in fellowship with the God of all creation. And now we want to tell you about him so that you can make a right decision about who he is and what your relationship is with him. You all understand that? And so, if you will, if that applies then, man, I'm running out of time fast, so I'm going to hit some of these fast. Here, here's what God did. Now, do we know how that they communicated that relationship before the flood? Well, the answer is we don't know. But we could certainly take this principle right here, that which we have handled, that which we have seen, that's, amen, right there, of the word of life meaning Jesus Christ is the word, okay? Well, if we take that principle, then it ought to be that same way. And if you will, did anybody ever see God face to face before the flood? Adam did, Eve did, absolutely. And every time they had a child, they had been thrown out of the Garden of Eden, so they couldn't be in the presence of God. But how many of y'all 
believe that they said, now, Cain, let me tell you, we have a God who created all this. Come on now, amen? Uh, and, and so if you will, and then uh, Cain and then Abel and then, of course, Seth. And then Seth said, Enos, let me tell you about this. And then the da 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 And it went all the way down to a guy named Methuselah. Okay, Methuselah, longest living human being ever. Amen. And, uh, and, and if you will, told him. And by the way, Methuselah was alive and could have known Adam. So could his son. His son could have known him too. Okay. But my whole point is this. Is, and, 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 then, and then Noah, I believe, is 125 years removed from knowing Adam. Let's see. What happened 125 years ago? So that would be 1900. How many of y'all believe Kaiser Wilhelm was a real person? Yeah, who's Kaiser Wilhelm? Uh, let me go back here. Who was president? Truman? Not Truman. Who did you say? Who was the president around 1900? Okay, Calvin. No, that's this century. <laughs> I don't. Maybe you're probably, you're probably close. Isn't that terrible? I don't know. Let's do this one. How about this one? This is a little bit later. Ulysses S. Grant. How many of y'all believe he lived? Okay, and, and you got that on pretty good. Anybody here met him? No, he died 125 years before you were born. Okay, and some of us that's true. Okay, it's probably pretty close on the numbers. All right. And so my whole point is this. How many, again, uh, y'all believe uh, Ulysses Grant was a real person? He was a president. He was a Civil War general. Come on now. Y'all with me? 125 years ago. You got confidence in that? Why? Well, well, well I, there's history books, and there's pictures, and I've seen him. And, okay. And so if you will, everybody who came down, there is a God. There is a God. There is a God. There is a God. And then it comes down to Noah. And the sad truth is Noah's the last one to actually still have faith in that God. But does he know that God is real? Yeah, and that takes us back to Hebrews chapter 11 where I won't go there again. But if, if you will, Noah then be able to tell people, listen, there is a God, and you better get right with him. If you study the names of all his forefathers, it tells a narrative of the gospel uh, uh, message. I, I won't go into it, but there is one. You can study it. It's, it's interesting to do. And, uh, and so if you will, before the flood... An eyewitness of account. There is a God. And it went 2,000 years, okay, 1,500 years from the time of creation till the time of the flood, okay? And they were able to go back. And with relative certainty, they were able to know. What, what happened after that? Who was the witness after that? Well, folks, Noah and Shem were the witnesses after that, okay? And what am I talking about? Basically, I'm talking about Bible prehistory. Because what I just talked about, Genesis chapters 1 through 11, is basically prehistory. All right, We don't have written accounts. We have books about it. We don't, you know, some people talk about the book of Enoch, but I'd be dubious about that. Okay, <laughs> I understand. But my whole point is this, is, um, is you can have confidence before the flood that they had a witness that there was a God. And the sad truth, it went down to one man's family before God had to wipe them all out and start over. Okay? And so from that time on, how many of y'all think that Noah told his grandchildren through Shem, he said, uh, hey, hey, there's a God. And, uh, and uh, every man's heart was only evil continually. And so to save the line of, 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 uh, of um, redemption, the bloodline, the, the line to Christ, he, he took and he killed everybody on earth. But all, we're all 
related through Grandpa Noah. And then Seth says, there is a God, there is a God, there is a God. Amen. So much so that, folks, um, uh, Shem, if I see it right here, Shem, let me see here. Shem was still alive. Wow. For quite a while, actually. Shem, Shem was alive for 50 years after the birth of Abraham. Okay? And so, if you will, up to the point of, 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 of Noah and Shem, they said, there is a God, there is a God, there is a God. Did people listen to him? Yeah. Because God came to a guy named Abram in Ur of the Chaldees, and he says, come to a place that I will show you, I'll give it to you. Amen. Did he have to do it by faith? Yes, the Bible says because of that faith, he accounted it to him for righteousness. Amen. It's a wonderful picture of salvation for us. And if you will, they could have a confidence. There is a God. We know there's an eyewitness testimony. Amen. And then, folks, please take this and think about it. From this chapter in your Bible, by the way, that's pretty much the very beginning. Amen. To the rest of the Bible is an account of Abraham and his descendants telling us there is a God. And he did thus and this. And you remember that it was good to take and to know those things when it was oral history. But now it's written. And we have a more sure word of prophecy whereunto you do well to take heed. Come on now, amen? And so if you will, they could have confidently known there was a God before the flood. There was, they could have confidently known that there was a God from the time of Noah till the time of Abraham. And then, of course, today you have the witness of the church. Go, if you will, to Romans chapter 10. We already read 1 John 4, or 1 John 1, excuse me. 1 John 1, 1 through 4. Talking about how that they had seen and touched and handled and listened to the word of life. And so in Romans chapter 10, and look at uh, verse 13. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Okay? And folks, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. I, I will freely confess, uh, I was born in 1962. And depending on where you divide your baby boomers from your generation Xers, okay, you'll divide it anywhere between 1960 and 1964. So I'm kind of right there in the middle. And I got a friend of mine who was born in 1961. And he says, I'm a generation Xer. I'm like, okay. He just kind of more modern than I am, all right? Well, I've always just believed I am a baby boomer. So all you young people that would look at me and say, you boomer, well, okay. <laughs> I embrace it, that's me, all right? And I do have, have old-fashioned ways and old-fashioned thinking. I, uh, we were talking about still a yellow tablet and a pencil. Still works, okay? <laughs> and so, big chief, oh, wow, big chief. <laughs> With the big chief, you got to use the big pencil, though, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, we're just old men reminiscing here. Anyhow. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll say one more word. You guys don't know it. Peachy. Okay. 
You know, peachy. What's a peachy? What did she say? <laughs> no, that's not what a peachy is. What's a, have any, anybody know what a peachy is that's less than 50? Okay, we finally made it. We're old enough. Peachy is what all of us kids put our papers in in school. It was a yellow folder with sporting people and everything on it like that. Hey. You ever have a peachy folder, Alan? Well, maybe it was a thing in Denver. I don't know. You were poor, yeah. <laughs> Amen. Well, now I'm off of my thoughts here. <laughs> uh, anyhow, I don't know what I was teaching about peaches for. Let's uh, erase the last five minutes. The Bible says this in verse 14. How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And my whole point is this, I guess, is we can use all kinds of modern technology to get the message out. But how many of y'all realize that most of the time when you're watching a preacher on TV, you're probably watching somebody with whom you do not agree doctrinally? Now, there are some good ones out there, but there are more bad ones out there than there are good ones, okay? And to be quite honest with you, even the ones that you like and think are good, many of them are Calvinists, and you need to be very, very careful with them. Amen, okay? And so we're living in a world full of technology and a bombardment, and it's usually to tell a lie about God, amen? And so if you will, that verse says, how can they hear? Well, they need a preacher. Well, what kind of preachers did God send out? Folks, he didn't just talk about called men. He's talking about all believers go into all the world and preach the gospel to who? One-on-one. One-on-one. You see, it's not about the campaigns, and it's not about the way things are done now. It's the, I have a burden to let you know that I know that God is real. Why? Because he's touched me. Amen? You know it by looking up there. I can teach it to you by looking in here. Amen? And by the way, you know it right here. Amen. So maybe you need to maybe think, what is your relationship with him? Because there is a God. He's touched my life. He's real. He's tangible. And I want, you, I want to tell you about him. Okay? Well, if you will, I think you're familiar with that. And I think you know that we have the witness of the church and we have a responsibility. So I have one more question. God had a, a real witness when they knew a real relationship with God that was communicated from man to other men that you need to be responsible, okay, for this relationship. And it was good from Adam to Noah. It was good from Noah to Abraham. It was good from Abraham to the church. And folks, uh, what's going to happen to us someday, hopefully someday soon? We're going to be taken out. And somebody else is going to be taking up the witness. I was thinking about this today. Go to Revelation chapter 20, if you will. Look at verse 4. Revelation 20 and verse 4. Excuse me. Revelation 20 and verse 4. And this is after the tribulation, okay? And uh, 
So what's after the tribulation? Jesus Christ comes to rule and reign on the earth, does he not? Okay. Well, the Bible says, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them. We'll talk about who they are here in a second. And judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither the image, neither had received his mark in their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Okay, Where's Jesus going to reign? In Jerusalem. Okay, Mount Zion in Jerusalem. All right. And the Bible says that there's going to be other people who are going to reign with him. And he's told us who these people are going to be. Okay. Could you go to, uh, uh, keep yourself here because this is going to be our text going forward. Okay. But go to Daniel chapter 7, look at verse 22. And go fast because I don't want to go long. Daniel chapter uh, 7, look at verse 22. <coughs> And the Bible says this, it says, until the Ancient of Days came, by the way, the Ancient of Days is Christ, right? He's the one that's going to come and rule and reign. And the Bible says, and judgment was given to the, what Bible say? The saints, the saints, those are believers, amen? Of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom, all right? That's what the nation of Israel is looking forward to, but folks, everyone who is a believer is looking forward to that time, all right? Why? Well, my premise is this, is there's always evidence for faith, okay? Meaning, before the flood, they have it. Between the flood and the time of Abraham, they had it. From the time of Abraham to the church, they had it. Today, we have it. Amen? And after, when Jesus is ruling and reigning on the earth, the Bible says there's going to be people sitting on thrones. And the Bible tells us who those people are. If you go real fast, I'll show you. Luke 22, verse 24. Luke 22, I was listening to a message this last week, and he's one of these people that doesn't believe Matthias was one of the apostles. If you're familiar with that story, remember Judas fell from his estate, and then Peter came and said that we need to uh, appoint another apostle. His qualifications must be that he was at the baptism of John, he saw the resurrected Christ, okay? And they had two candidates. They drew lots, or uh, drew lots, and Matthias's name came forth. And this individual said, "No, God chose the apostle Paul." You need to remember this: there were the twelve, okay, and their mission and ministry was to the nation of Israel. If you remember, the apostle Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, okay. He was given a completely different ministry. All right. And so there is a significance to that number 12, all right? It was important for them to have 12 apostles. Why? Well, to fulfill this scripture, for one thing. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 24, the Bible says this. It says, And there was also strife among them, among which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. That he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth. Is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. You know what he's saying? He says, if anybody should be sitting, it's me. <laughs> Meaning, you better be serving, because I'm serving. Y'all understand that? 
But basically he's saying this. He says you need to stop worrying about who's going to be sitting where. All right? But then notice his promise he gives to him after this rebuke. He says, Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations and my trials and my difficulties. You've been with me. And I appoint unto you a kingdom as my father had appointed unto me. You're going to be a king. You're going to be ruling. Okay? He says, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Y'all see that? In the book of Revelation, the Bible says that they were going to be ruling from thrones. And I believe it's talking about these 12 apostles. They're going to be ruling as kings over the tribes of Israel in the millennium. Amen. I wonder what they're going to be saying. I bet they keep pretty close to this book. What do you think? Amen. Who else is going to be with them? Amen. Because uh, I, could, I could show you more of that, but I'm out of time. Okay. The martyrs are also going to be there. Look back at uh, uh, Revelation uh, 20, verse 4. And it talks about those who were beheaded for their testimony for Christ. You all see that? Those who were the beheaded. Those are the martyrs. All right. And I believe it's speaking of those uh, in uh, Revelation chapter 6. So you're already in Revelation, so you just go there. Revelation chapter 6. Look at verse 9. And the Bible says, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they had held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Notice what he's saying. How long is it going to take you to judge our blood? And notice what it said in in Revelation 20. He says, You're going to be the one judging it. You're going to be on thrones, and you're going to be the judges. Who's going to be the judges? Those who were beheaded for their testimony for Christ. Martyrs. Amen. I was thinking about this. I'm always rethinking about the crowns. And the Bible speaks in James chapter 1 and verse 12 and Revelation 20 and verse 10, what is called the crown of life, but a lot of people call it the martyr's crown. Okay? Because it, it talks about those who... Uh, essentially lost their life for Christ, they're going to be given a crown, the crown of life, the martyr's crown. And in a sense, what, who, who wears a crown, folks? A king. A king, okay? Now, we're not going to be worthy in his presence. We're going to cast it down. But if you will, who's going to be ruling? Well, the Bible says the 12 apostles are going to be ruling. Who's going to be ruling? At least the 144,000 who are martyred for Christ are going to be ruling. Maybe more. Any, any, any martyrs, possibly. And then... Anybody who comes through the great tribulation, go to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7, look at verse 9. The Bible says this, And after this I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all the nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Folks, are these people in trouble or are they in good stead? They're in good relationship. They got white robes, folks. They're going to be all right. You understand? And the Bible says this, it says, And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders, and about the four deeds, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Here's what I want you to see. During the millennium, how are people going to know about Jesus? It's a silly question, isn't it? 
he's going to be ruling, okay? And even if, let's say he gets rid of TV, which he probably will do, (laughs) you're still going to go to the throne of God to see him. Why? To be judged by the apostles, to be judged by the martyrs, amen? To hear the praises and the testimony of those who he's given a white robe to. Now, folks, I'm talking about normal human beings like you and us, not glorified beings. Those guys are going to be glorified. They're going to be given rule and reign, and, and, and that's another message for another day. Wonderful. They're all worried. Who's going to be the best here? Stop worrying about it. And in a sense, he said at the end of that, you're going to be taken care of just fine. Amen. You all understand that? Get a hold of this, and I'll be done. How did it end up with Adam telling all his descendants? It ended with only Noah. Amen? How did it end with Noah telling everybody? Only Abraham. How did it end with Abraham telling all his descendants, well, it came down to a tribe, the lion, and came down to Christ? How does it end in the church age, folks? The Bible says that except those days be shortened, no flesh should be saved. Can I just tell you, our chapter doesn't end any better. Y'all understand? So won't that be wonderful when people can see Jesus Christ ruling and reigning from the throne? What a great God. What a Savior. And all the the 12 apostles and the 144,000 plus martyrs and all those wearing white robes saying, trust Christ, he's a glorious God, he saved my soul, he forgives your sin. Trust him, trust him, trust him. (laughs) How's it end? (laughs) Satan is loosed for a season and he turns a third against him. And they could see him and they could hear them. Come on. Amen. And they will be totally without excuse. Think about this. Well, you saw him ruling and reigning from the throne and you still turned against him? Amen. My mind wants to say some things I'm not going to say. <laughs> but you still turned against him? Amen. So here's my point. Let's just be faithful to tell. We're not responsible for how they respond. Amen? And they will stand without an excuse. Why? Because Adam made sure they knew. Noah made sure they knew. By the way, that's one of the reasons God said he chose Abraham, because he would train up his children behind him to know What has been the purpose of the church ever since Christ left to tell and to let people know? And yet we have ascended and now we're descending and descending and descending. And the Bible does say, as in the days of Noah, we're going to get down to that last person and God's going to say, that's it. Amen. But isn't our God good? He never left himself without a witness. And anybody who turns their back and says, well, I I didn't have the chance to know. Hey, you can blame TV and you can blame false preachers all you want. You can blame liars in the pulpit if you want to. But folks, how many Bibles are in this world today that people could pick up, read it for themselves, and have a more sure word of prophecy?
Folks, I think a lot of times people get discouraged and defeated because it's not like it used to be. Well, folks, read the book. <laughs> God told us it was going to be like that. But you know what's required in a servant? That a man be found faithful. So let's do that. Let's be faithful. Let's not be discouraged. Let's not be overcome. And let's keep telling people about that God who has touched us. And in our fellowship, we have touched him and heard him and known him and invite them to that same wonderful privilege. Let's all stand if you would.